triumphant return from the ashes we've emerged um of the by and by ashes i mean the 20 minutes that it took us to <laughs> get up crack open a cold one with my boy you um <laughs> and <laughs> oh that's cute and <laughs> my boy oh, you um <laughs> And yeah, we've cracked open a cold one and um and we're like not silly or weird at all for this snowbox <laughs> no. episode. No. We have decided that um we've got enough energy, we've got enough steam yeah. uh to keep rolling after our last recording. Yeah, have you guys heard last episode? That was we recorded us all of that and now we're recording another. Yeah, that was us twenty minutes ago. Yeah. For you it'll probably be us a week or so yeah. or so ago. Now we're new guys. We're new guys now. After these twenty minutes. We would like to answer Oh, I guess well, this is Honey This Podcast. Welcome back to Honey at this it. podcast. Um isn't big enough for the two of us. My name is Maris. My name is EJ. You know what you signed up for. You if you if this is the first episode of this podcast that you're listening to yeah, a different one. find a different one. I recommend <laughs> go, episode go one. one. <laughs> yeah. Episodes one episode one is great. Angels in America is great. Um any of the other ones. Don't start with this that one. Aren't a mailbox one. Uh, we've got asks. We've got them. We've got them. You guys have sent in so many asks. It is awesome to see how much stuff you've put in our mailbox. We are just two men. We, we are but two men. God had made us. Yeah. And we've got, we're going to try our best to answer these asks. Yeah. Um, and keep steam to, to get through as many as we can. I believe in us. I believe in us. I think we can do it. I think we can do it too. Um, I'm excited about it. Yeah. And we're going to talk through some of your awesome thoughts. Hell yeah. Let's fucking do it. Let's fucking do it. Let's go. All right. What do we got going on? What should we start with? Oh, do you want to talk about the Barbie movie? Oh. <gasps> Yes, let's find Do it. you guys want to hear something that's not about my chemical romance at all? This is from Harris the Finch on Tumblr. Um, I know it doesn't really tie into MCR, but I absolutely need your thoughts on the new Barbie movie. The way it tackles gender, gender performativity, insult culture, and toxic masculinity, and girlhood is so interesting and leaves so much to talk about. Being AFAB myself, it hits so hard despite not identifying as a girl or woman. Cool. Thanks for this ask. Yes, thank you. We love you. that you are asking our opinions about things that aren't related to MCR. Also, yeah, um, I love to be a cultural critic. I love to, yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah, like at any given moment, I have an opinion on something. So, thanks for asking. Yes, I saw the Barbie movie in an AMC in Northern Indiana with my uncle's girlfriend and my brother's wife. Weird. Yeah, weird combo of people. Wow, really, really weird combo to of see people. the film with. I saw the Barbie movie with a group of 25 people and we rented out a quarter of a theater. So um, much fucking cooler. This is, yeah, this is not <laughs> a joke. We, um, it was me and like 20 other of queer, the queer people in our little, in our little city. Um, most of them not my direct friends, but our friends of friends kind of. Um, and we all got dressed up and um, went to the theater with cunt curly straws. Yeah. They're so fucking cool. They say cunt and they're curly straws. You can do that. Do you guys know you can do that? You can just buy them. You can just buy a curly what, straw that like says whatever you want. A piece. Just so you know. Yeah. Just some information for you guys. You should do that. Um, so different experiences. I was sadly in Michigan with my family. Yeah. Um, <laughs> which was fine. Yes. So this film, the the cultural moment of the year, perhaps. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yes. Certainly of the summer, but really of the year i yeah. think i mean yeah it's like revitalized people's desire to go to the movies and shit yeah seriously it's massive. Like, it was a blockbuster post-pandemic that has like revitalized think, gotten people back into movie theaters yeah in a way. no 100 i was i don't know if you know this i was working in a movie theater when the pandemic hit 
Oh, and I just I forgot that didn't have a job for two months, and then right. we started showing movies outside, which was cool. Oh, that's yeah. fun. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, it was old cool. school. Yeah, yeah. They they turned it around. They did a good job. Rice Cinema, check it out. The Barbie movie. How did you feel about the Barbie movie, Marin? I quite liked the Barbie movie. Yeah, I'm a fan of the Barbie yeah. movie. I would say I feel multiple things about the Barbie movie. Here are some things that I liked about the Barbie movie. Tell me. I loved how bright and fun it was. Yeah. I loved it was clearly like campy self-aware. The set design. Holy shit, The costume design. Incredible. Oh my God. Blew it out of the park. Yeah. 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 I mean, I watched an interview with Greta Gerwig beforehand too. I'm generally a Greta Gerwig fan. And she was talking about how she wanted it to feel like real manufactured so like she wanted it to feel like it was on a soundstage like the way that like singing in the rain does or like the way that like old hollywood Mm. blockbusters felt where it's like yeah where it's like all of the sets are painted so Mm -hmm. all of the sets are hand painted like the like the like backdrops or whatever of like mountains or whatever like in the barbie land it's all hand painted backdrops crazy absolutely insane like the amount of work that went into it is just incredible the performances are excellent Mm mm-hmm Margot Robbie slays. Ryan Gosling. Ryan Gosling slays. slays. America Ferreira slays. slays. Yeah. yeah. Like there's some great performances. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I had a ton of fun watching it. Mm-hmm. I really thoroughly enjoyed myself. And I think it 100% does what it's set out to do. Yes. I think that it's set out to talk about gender and girlhood and masculinity in a very specific accessible way. Mm-hmm. And I think it does that. I also think it is kind of branded feminism 101. Yeah. Which is how we've described it. Yes. Like, I was like, well, it was branded feminism 101, but not everything needs to be for, like, my critical theory brand. Right. And, like, it's doing a lot for, like, a lot of people. Mm-hmm. So I think it is both, a, like, I think it's very successful as a film. Yeah. Of, like, what it's, it sought out. It did what it was trying to do. Mm-hmm. And also, like, I have some some thoughts about it i've got yeah. uh, i'm a critical person i have right. critical thoughts i have critiques about almost everything i like yeah <laughs> yes absolutely you'll never hear me not critique my chemical romance right i'll do it that's what this fucking podcast do is about don't threaten me with a good time yeah. i'm ready to go. <laughs> i feel like now that i've seen the movie there were a couple of days when it was out that i had not seen it that i was seeing people post about it on tumblr as if it was like one of the most groundbreaking films of all time yeah that's true i do not believe that this is a politically groundbreaking film it's not i don't think it is either i think it it like for people who are never going to take a gender studies class yeah for people who aren't going to read audrey lord right this isn't even audrey lord feminism man like not even no like not at all for people who aren't gonna read gloria steinem yeah this is important for them to watch yeah and i hope that it helped some boyfriends who got dragged there however i mean the thing is that we know also is that it helped women break up with their boyfriends. And which that's we great. do love. We do love that. We really appreciate any yeah, film's yeah. role in doing that. Yeah. For people who listen to this podcast, for people yeah. who are already very like culturally aware, who understand theory, who understand gender theory, I don't feel like Barbie broke any big ground. I don't feel like yeah. it was edgy in the way that people kind of made it out to be right there were a lot of as far as like political messaging goes i didn't find it radical yes i agree i mean i don't think it is radical i also think like i said i think it does what it sought out to do which is not to like necessarily be a radical film i don't know that it was trying to be a radical film i think it was trying to be a feminist film Mm -hmm. which i think it did do I don't think it was trying to be like, this is going to be the most radical thing anyone's ever seen. I think that like, but I get what you're saying though. I definitely was also having that feeling of like, 
people are talking about this as if it's like groundbreaking as if yeah. it's whatever and I do think in some ways it is like we don't have a lot of movies that are being made like this right now in terms of like being kind of a major blockbuster and being like really rooted in like in camp and in mm-hmm. like very thoughtful like to the scale of this like thoughtful about all elements of the production and stuff like that mm-hmm. you know we're like living in Marvel Universe right now um, yeah and I'm not a Marvel fan so and at a level at which like it's for children right like it sure. is I, I think I don't know like it's hard to be like what was the target audience for Barbie yeah. because it was clearly adults who had Barbies and who grew up with Barbies like it's like yes and people who understand the brand's influence already right yeah. but then it's also for kids right it's no. a fun bright pretty movie for yeah. kids and that message yeah. matters for kids and 100% that's yeah I think two things right I think both it isn't necessarily a radical film and also clearly these like basic aspects of feminism made people fucking pissed yeah dude that shit pissed off Mm -hmm. some shitty dudes Mm -hmm. so in that case like hell fucking yeah barbie movie you know i love it when shitty dudes are angry right and it's like damn that was just kind of a shock too where it's like oh that's where we're at in the culture huh like Mm -hmm. we're having these conversations about gender we're like we're talking about truly seminar levels about gender every day of our lives you know and experiencing gender seminar levels every day of our lives but like it's really it's kind of a good reminder to be like oh fuck most people are like gender babies they're little fucking tiny babies and they don't know goddamn shit and they're shitting in their diapers about it yeah that's like literally what's happening you know for people who are like really steeped in like gender discourse and talk a lot about gender and think a lot about gender this movie is like not super exciting in terms of like the politics of it yeah but for a lot of people it is super exciting and it's new and it's something they haven't seen before and they're thinking about things differently and that's also really cool i agree i totally agree cool yeah i think if i was in charge of the barbie movie Uh tell me more here's what i would have done um we don't need the whole plot point where she goes to the real world because the real world is, is is very boring yeah um and i'd prefer to hang out in this barbie world yeah. and like learn more about it as a science fiction that would be like, so fun take me to barbie alternate reality because politically there's got to also be problems with women doing everything oh 100%, and, right? like i mean ken experiences that and then like literally the only other option is men are in charge of everything like can we agree maybe on nuance perhaps instead and like yeah um it seemed like the only way to fix a problem was to go all one way or the other politically i want the nuanced politics of undoing a system where women are in charge of everything even if it's problematic um if I was the director of the Barbie movie, that's what I would have done. But I'm not a film director, so. 100%. Yeah, I mean, if I was the director of the Barbie movie, like, I wouldn't have, like, made the Mattel CEO, like, a CEO, like, a literal CEO out to just be, like, a bumbling Will Ferrell yeah. stereotype. That's, like, my main critique of it is yeah. it makes, like, capitalism out to be just, like, bumbling and kind of silly, uh-huh. which is, like, you know, not the true. nature of a branded film. Yeah. But it's not accurate, unfortunately. Even though I thought Will Ferrell was very fun and I yes. liked to watch him and I liked to watch those guys. So, mm-hmm. you know. So anyway, fun film though. Fun Hope everyone's film. seen it. Yeah, had a great time. Yeah. Um, yes. Hope but there's it- more things like it. Hope people yes. take notes from it for... Not in the way that I want to see other doll movies because all of a sudden mm-hmm. that's what people are getting from it. And it's like, no, dude. No, no, what no, we no. want from it is like... The care and the thought and the, like, yeah. campiness. Uh-huh. That's what people like about it. Yeah. And, like, uh, 
I feel like there's such a major trend in like big blockbuster movies like this right now to recycle things that have already been created. Yeah, just make remakes all the time. Remakes all the time. Let's bounce off of this brand or that brand. Like do something new. Write a story. Yeah, please do. Write a God. new story, please, for the love of God. And then you can still make it pretty and big and campy. Yeah. Like just give us fucking something new. That's all I'm looking for. Yeah. Yep. I totally agree. All right. That's the Barbie movie. That's the Barbie movie. Thanks for your ask. Thank you so much for your ask. Okay. I feel like uh, actually what this boils down to is a random shit episode because we've got so many things in the random shit category. Yeah. Um, so the next ask that we have is from um, frequenter of our ask box, Absolute Destiny Apocalypse. We love to see you yes. in, in the asks. You always have great things to we ask us and we love to chat with you. There's a spider on my ceiling and I'm really nervous about it. It's small. It's really For fun. the listeners no, just- at home, it is small and far away. Absolute Destiny Apocalypse, frequenter of the ask box, asks, Inquiring minds want to know, have you two watched Velvet Goldmine? Yes. The answer is a hard yes. Absolutely we have. I made EJ, I had seen it before, mm-hmm. um, and then I made EJ watch it in their basement while we were on Big MCR tour. Oh my God, yeah, in my mom's basement. Yeah, that was crazy. In Wisconsin. Yeah. Oh, we've seen it. Amazing film. I, fun you movie. You introduced this film to me as... I want whoever made Velvet Goldmine to make the biopic about MCR. I just think Todd Haynes would nail it, you know? I agree. Yeah. I think, like, I absolutely want the same thing where it's like these are characters that are distanced from the actual. Yeah. Well, because that's like, how, like, people. MCR's but... life has been, like, the whole time. It's like they're both characters and real people at all mm-hmm. times. So I just feel like it would be a really interesting commentary yeah. on, like, the way that their, like, fame developed. Yeah. And, like, one day we'll be in a time where, I mean, maybe we're here right now where we can, like, look back on early 2000s with a kind of like glamorous nostalgia i think we are there are we've like kind of arrived yeah hey now's the time if anybody wants to make a film i know i've got a great idea that's like my actual thought is it's like you know who needs to make a movie about my chemical romance like a fan fan hey is anybody a filmmaker like i'm certain somebody is yeah does anybody need like a like a film major thesis project (laughs) yeah exactly i've got a great idea for you i can send you a bibliography perfect love it love it i would love for you to do that it would make me so happy but yeah we've seen it yes the glam of it the way that the glam is represented visually the camp of it all the camp like starting out with oscar wilde in that way dude fucking crazy and yeah, and then it's just glamorous and beautiful. The, the, moment, the music is great. Right. The like idea that you're like capturing this moment, this like fleeting moment. Yeah. Like this like fleeting moment in mm-hmm. time that like past like the death of glam, you know. Especially the way that they portray the eighties, like the dull uh-huh. corporate gray. Oh my god. Shitty, like totally it's awesome. And the performances are excellent. Christian Bale's excellent. Yeah, Christian Bale slays. He's awesome in it. Yeah. Um, who else is in that fucking movie who's really good? Um, no, you McGregor is so good. Mm-hmm. Fucking Tony Collette. Hello. Oh, Tony Collette. I yeah. love Tony Collette and everything she's ever done. And placebo. And fucking Brian Mulco. Brian Mulco yeah. for placebo. Is who just performs in the film. and yeah. also is in the film, which I think is a great choice. Placebo uh, and MCR yeah. feel like they're kissing to me. Mm-hmm. Um, also, the complicated musician relationships one yeah. forms when you're kind of a genderqueer slash queer mm-hmm. slash 
performative band person and other people are also that you know the complicated you, relationships that you form you know you can't fake being gay you have to make love in a gay way to really yeah yeah convince people yeah. that maybe you are <laughs> yeah just a good just a just important sage wisdom important sage wisdom seminal cult classic Bella Goldmine it did convince me that David Bowie and Iggy Pop have fucked. Absolutely. I'm like, wow, they absolutely, absolutely have. Absolutely. I mean, like, does anyone believe at this time that David Bowie did not have sex with them? I was reading. I also went into, like, a David Bowie Wikipedia hole the other day about how, like, he talked about how he regretted coming out as bisexual when he went to America because they treated him. He got, he got discriminated against in a way really? that he didn't in the UK. I didn't know Because, that. like, the sexual fluidity of, like, glam in the UK... Like, glam was way bigger in the UK than it was in the US. Like, glam is a movement, like, because of Brian Eno and David Bowie. And Mm -hmm. bisexuality was cool for glam. Yeah. Like, it was the thing. Like, we we learn this. Sorry, he keeps almost falling. Mary keeps getting distracted by the spider. I'm watching the spider. Um, I'm calling my head. I really don't think so. He keeps almost falling. I keep seeing it. I know, but he keeps staying there. (laughs) Anyway. Hanging um, on. He, it's just all about sexual fluidity and openness and rock is sexy and bisexual specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, and this was not happening in the U.S. No. in the same way. People were fucking like crazy in the U.K. We're fucking. Fucking so intensely. Yeah. So. And good for them. Yeah, so anyway, David Bowie was like, them. I regret it coming out as bisexual. He's like, I've been bisexual, but also I regret it coming out as bisexual. Do you want to like switch US. spots on yes, this I, couch so I it doesn't like, fall on do you? Do you see that? Okay. Yes. I'm I'm very comfortable with the spider. So like, let, let's let <laughs> hey. switch. Yeah, I really don't like let's it. Switch Fuck spots. me. <laughs> I'm afraid of spiders. I, I have know. a fear. I have a phobia. I, Some people I'm have sorry. a phobia and a fear, UJ. Fuck you. It's okay to be afraid of spiders, everyone. EJ, you've heard it here first. EJ said, fuck everyone who's afraid of spiders. The next question. Let's do the next question. Um, we have two questions um, or comments from Tumblr user Well-Educated in- Infant. <laughs> well-Educated influ- Influent. <laughs> okay. Well-Educated Infant. Well-educated infant asks, uh, objects as religious items and symbols, etc. Frank Reverb sale. People buying things just because he had or wore them. Third-class relics. Is this anything? Yes. I think so. I think so. Um, and then you also wrote back, can't remember if I said this before, sorry if this is a repeat ask. Hey, that's totally okay because we want to talk about it. Um, but something, something, Frank Reverb store and the Catholic tradition of relics, third class relics specifically, making outfits, etc., into holy items, social canonization, and putting famous people on a pedestal, etc., or something. Yes, you are onto something. Um, I think that's a great thought, especially when we look at the way the people treated Frank's smelly shoes <laughs> and sweaty little sweatbands. And like one glove. And like one glove. Yeah. There's So there's a dynamic with that that like people wanted to get something from the Frank sale and those were the things that cost the least money. Like, yeah. I recognize that. I see that. Like, I know you wanted something, but you didn't have as much money to get something bigger. That's totally. totally great. And I'm glad that there was something in that sale for you. Right. Um, but I think people went a little crazy for it a little bit. Yeah. Like, remember when somebody bought that disgusting wig that he wore mm-hmm. at, when we were young and then posted on Reddit about it and was like, why the fuck did I buy this? Yeah. It's like, so wanted nasty to gross. sell it again. Like, yeah, dude. Yeah. It's gross. It's a sweaty wig. Yeah. 
yeah, people have made those things into holy objects. Absolutely. Yeah, let's talk about also, so they specifically are mentioning third class relics. Yeah. What is that? What is a third class relic? Yeah, so a standard relic would just be like a body part of a saint, right? That's been preserved by a church oh. over centuries, millennia, like very, very old, like pieces of these people who have attained a mythical status within the church right a third class relic would be something that is a little less holy or perhaps maybe not canonized by the church but is still revered Uh uh-huh i love the phrasing of third class relics yeah these are i mean like so like pieces of fabric or something so like pieces of fabric or something or like something that somebody wore or held someone's hair someone's hair yeah yeah would be well i feel like hair is hair, from is hair a relic would yeah. be like a proper right relic. that's like a body part yeah, yeah. sounds a lot like <laughs> yeah. what's been going on yeah i mean they've been raised to a status of like of like holiness mm-hmm. i think part of that is because of the way that fans treat famous people in general like the fan yes. the fan like musician or the mm-hmm. fan artist dynamic in general and i think part of it is because of the way the members of MCR talk about MCR specifically, right? Mm-hmm. Like they talk a lot about visions and signs and like, and they, you know, relate to different religious figures. They were raised mm-hmm. Catholic. They talk about these things. They use this imagery. So I think because of that, it becomes even more heightened. Mm-hmm. This like tendency for fans to like turn people into gods. And so then, yeah, like people are clambering to wear the pants that Frank wore while he rubbed mm-hmm. his cr- fucking crotch against gerard's head or whatever you know (laughs) like so that they can say that they have it's religious it's religious in in its experience yes yes and like i think there's also a very like consumerist element to it oh totally that you don't see with relics like relics are holy they're owned by churches like a an item that's owned by a fan is not serving the same like communal purpose that a relic might in a church to organize organize around a certain individual or idea. It's used by an individual for clout, and you have to buy it. And you have to buy it. You weren't given it. Yeah, you were not given it. It was not left behind to you as somebody who was spe- like special, right? Or were given a mission to carry anything forward. Yeah, like it's a clout thing. I think. As somebody who bought stuff from the Frank Re- Reverb sale, it's a yeah. classic. thing. Like, yeah. it's, it's something you get to flex. And, yeah. like, that's cool. But, like, own that, too. You know? Right. I mean, I wonder what... Because I totally agree with this ask. Like, I feel like, yeah, there's, like, this social canonization, this, like, whatever, all this stuff. I wonder how, like, the items from this sale and then, like, people getting, like... I mean, I guess it's the same. People getting like set lists and picks and stuff at shows, like yeah. whether that acts in the same, in the same vein, or mm-hmm. whether that's different. Because that's like more. That for me is more like a commemorate a commemorative thing. Yeah. But maybe it's similar. Mm-hmm. Also, I don't know. Yeah. Like maybe like the experience of being a fan and going to shows and like getting things in those contexts or like taking things from those contexts mm-hmm. like is kind of inherently like a mining for relics <laughs> do you yeah. know what i'm saying I don't yeah know. yeah i do yeah i don't know and there's something interesting to say just about like memory and relics and stuff mm-hmm. too which i don't have enough thoughts for right now but i like that 
Yes. Yeah. In conclusion, well-educated infant, you're onto something. You're fucking onto something. Yeah. And I, really I like, like what you're on too. Cool. Do we want to do the other well-educated infant one? Yeah, let's do it. You want to read it? Sure. They said, maybe I'm stupid, but hearing about the hesitant alien mixing on the questions ep made me think about how having the vocals buried under all the other tracks reminds me a lot of Riot Girl music. It tends to have the vo- vocals kind of pushed back, coupled with Gerard's love of Riot Girl and the mention of bands like Slater Kinney in the hesitant alien scene. Much to think about. Or maybe I'm just bullshitting. LMAO would love to hear your thoughts. I don't think you're bullshitting. I don't think you are either. No, I think you're totally on to something. Yeah. Um, and I think what one reason that vocals get pushed back in Riot Girl stuff is just production value. Yeah. Like it's just the the mixing. It's recording a couple of tracks on the same track and the vocals right. end up when they where they end up. It's DIY. Yeah, what you're responding to is people having shitty <laughs> like just bad recording just equipment. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Which is an aesthetic and that people use. Yeah. yeah. And that's your word intentionally used for this, mm-hmm. I think. Like, Absolutely. He very intentionally was using these like sounds of like early glam and like and some like punky or stuff mm-hmm. and some riot girl stuff for sure in the mixing to ha- achieve more of a DIY sound. Yes. Yeah. 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 So it's intentionally crunchy. It's intentionally buried, but it's doing that with like a like Doug really knows what he's doing. Right. Right. Like he really knows how to achieve that sound. Whereas I think with Riot Girl, it's a happy accident a lot of the time. Yeah. And like not to discredit Riot Girl by any means. Like that's something that people have iterated on. Right. Um, and that's really why punk admired. is great is because you can just pick up an instrument, play it bad and exactly. make cool stuff. Yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah. But then achieving that when you're in a position where you have more resources yeah. is hard sometimes. Right. I think yeah. you have to really commit to doing it intentionally because otherwise you could end up sending like the rest of MCR sounds, which is very polished and very put together mm-hmm. and putting specific things to the front. Totally. So yeah, totally. absolutely. You're not bullshitting at all. Yeah. Sounds. Yeah. Very smart. Cool. Thank you for your asks. Well-educated infant. Oh boy. Do you want to do this one or do you want me to do it? I can do it. I can do it. I hate to Ugh, it. Command effing Ferrard right now. We got an anonymous ask. <laughs> on Love July that it was tenth. Anonymous. It was anonymous, and we know why. <laughs> um, they say Ferrard episode when? Sorry, in parentheses. Separately in parentheses, those two just had something going on for sure. Maybe not lovers, but not just friends. <sighs> So <laughs> we are not. We're not your guys. We're not your guys for, for that. A, for that episode. I'm sorry. Um, our millions episode was our Ferrard episode. That was guys. really as close as you're getting with us. Um, I also think we kind of talked about what we believe to be true. We did. Yeah. In that episode. You know, let's get a little per social for a sec. Mm-hmm. Whatever. Um, it's fun to speculate. Yeah. I love to speculate. Yeah. I've I've dug I've dug into. Mm-hmm. The poetry of F.T. Wills. Yep. Yes. I'm familiar. I'm familiar. Yeah. I've dug. I've dug. And I see. I see what you're seeing. I've I've picked mm-hmm. through some lyrics. Yeah. And I see what you're seeing. Yeah. Okay. However. I think what we talked about in the millions episode is when one has a relationship with somebody for a long time, whether that relationship is romantic or platonic or a strange combination of both, especially in a context like a band where Franca said it's like a marriage. Mm-hmm. 
your relationship can get really, really complicated. Yeah. And really intense. Mm -hmm. Especially if you may have <laughs> queerish tendencies. Yeah. Right? I know most queer people have relationships with many of their friends that are neither romantic nor platonic or mm -hmm. are both at the same time. Yeah. Um, and your relationships can get really intense. That is what we think about that. That's what we think has happened there. Yeah. Is that like... So not saying... Yeah. I'm not saying they're dating or fucking. I would never say that. And I don't believe that. I don't believe that either. Yeah. I don't believe that, but I, I well, do... I don't know whether they fucked. Maybe they Maybe did. Maybe they did, and it's not my fucking Maybe they business. Did. Maybe I'll they did. That. It's not my business. Not my business. I think there are a lot of feelings swirling around. Yes. And I think that's what you're seeing. Yeah. And I think that, you know, I think often... People really like to be like, there is something going on in order to like prove that there's legitimacy to their mm -hmm. theories or whatever. There is legitimacy to a lot of people's theories. Mm -hmm. Just not in the way that they seem to need it to be. Yes. People do not need to have dated or had mm -hmm. like serious, like stuff yeah. like that in order for their relationships to be serious and intense and in order for there to be complicated feelings around them. Mm -hmm. And that I think is what has gone on. Yeah. 100%. For these people in their life. 100% yeah. I agree. Yeah. yeah. So... You've already heard our Ferrard episode. It was the millions episode. It was the millions episode. Listen again. That is what we truly think about it. Yeah. Um, if we're if we've missed something also, central yeah. about the Ferrard canon, yeah, about that, the triple R canon, yeah, yeah. yeah, then we'll talk about it. But like, <laughs> I feel like we have nuanced and well thought out opinions about this, yeah. and we shared them. So. Yeah, and I think. You know, you can have whatever weird fictions you want to have, mm -hmm. but also do acknowledge when they may be fictions. Yep. Yeah, definitely. And also acknowledge when things, you know, are complicated and have value for what they are. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's still meaningful and right. still it's, tumultuous fact, really and meaningful powerful and fun to talk and about and interesting. And yeah. yeah. Still interesting. If you want to talk about band guys who have dated each other, go read hunger makes me a modern girl by <laughs> carrie oh brownstein God. i didn't finish it i started oh, reading really? it in the mcr line and i didn't finish yeah. it oh you can borrow it oh, okay um, good. yeah because she talks about how she dated corinne oh my god i mean like that is its yeah. own yeah yeah thank you for your anonymous ask it's dawning on me that we're answering asks from july i'm sorry that we're like god, this sorry guys but um we're here we're we are answering them so thank you for sending them fob camp fob camp follow up boy camp Oh, we got a Fallout Boy and a Ryan Ross ass. Which is hilarious. Love it. That's great. What's this That's never person's EGZ gag. gag? Eggs gag. So this is from either Eggs gag or EGZ gag. Cool. Yep. Um, this first question is this is not a fully realized thought and not really about MCR, but something, something, the reason that Fallout Boy doesn't necessarily succeed at camp. I am specifically talking from under the cork tree to Folia Do as a trilogy, although this is present elsewhere as well, is because they lean more heavily on the theater of the self-aware Byronic poet, which uses self-awareness and self-seriousness in a different way than camp. This could be nothing, or it could be a college thesis. My brain is going zap zap, but nothing is connecting. I really like the way that you narrated those emojis. So <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like brain, brain lightning, brain, yeah. lightning, brain. <laughs> yeah, it's really which good. is awesome. It's really good. Zap zap. Um, um, I think that's a great thought. I think that, yeah. I think it is too, and I think you're correct. Mm -hmm. Like, I I don't know anything about 
the Byronic poet. I don't either. I'm not a lit major. But cool that you do. Yeah. That's so dope that you can just use phrases like that. Sorry, the spider's above me There's again. another spider. It's the same one. Um, How do you know? I know it is because it came and went down that okay. way and then I watched it crawl up oh the wall God. and now it's over here. Um, <laughs> this saga? I'm just, like, leave really, this I'm in. I'm just like, really aware of the spider. <laughs> it's directly above me. It's not. I just don't want it to land in my hair. Ha- okay. That's a fair concern to have about a spider. <laughs> and I respect you. I don't respect you anymore. <laughs> anyway. Um, so anyway, I don't know anything about the Byronic Poet, but you're right. Having listened to From Under the Cork Tree through Foley and having listened to My Chemical Romance, I would agree that they use self-awareness and self-seriousness in a different way. Like, yeah. I think that the self-seriousness that MCR utilizes while tongue-in-cheek is never like sarcastic in the mm-hmm. way that like it's it's always sincere yeah like yes. i feel like um fall Out boy relies on sarcasm mm-hmm. a lot in yeah. like lyrics and like i not to say that they're not sincere because mm-hmm. they are yeah but i think that mcr is specifically playing with the line between like self-seriousness and extreme sincerity mm-hmm. um and being tongue-in-cheek and kind of sarcastic so it's like yeah. a combo of those things which is what makes a camp yeah yes yeah i think also with fallout boy like one of the differences is that when pete wentz is writing pete wentz is writing you know like pete wentz is writing about himself these are songs about how he feels about certain circumstances yeah that's a great point yeah mcr doesn't do that right mcr is like we're hearing about gerard but we're hearing about them through they're telling a story through characters and there are themes that are relevant to these people which is a different way of storytelling yeah yes completely and it works differently which is totally what you're picking up on yeah absolutely and i'd love to hear more about your thoughts about byronic poetry yeah tell me more about byron because i don't know anything yeah no that's sick um so thank you you also said Related to the fan fiction point, I feel like the Ryan Ross of online bandom is almost entirely through a throne colored mosaic. Throne ca- stands for something. It is a fan fiction. I did, I do remember it, but I don't remember what it's called. Even if they themselves have never read Throne, someone tells me what tell me what it stands for. I do remember it existing. I've been in bandom. Heart rate of heart rate of a mouse. The heart rate of a mouse. Is that what it is? Yes, it is. The heart rate of a mouse. Uh, Correct. Uh-huh. We're on nice. AO3 on the pod I do, today. I do know about this. Wow. Wow, they're talking about bell bottoms and stuff. Maybe I'll read this, guys. That does Maybe I'll bad. read it. Um, Even if they themselves have never read Throne, like most people do not know enough about real life human Ryan Ross to make that distinction and pull it apart. Mm. Totally. I think Ryan Ross got bandomed to hell for sure yes. yeah and that's why we don't see him anymore uh-huh. um the the seems w- cool as fuck though he seems cool yeah he does amazing songwriter and i shout out to him panic. for writing all of the good panic at the exactly. songs. Yeah. yes thank you ryan ross um you did some amazing work in that band the ryan ross of it all is fascinating i the next time we do a presentation night i might do it on panic at the disco that would be so interesting it's fascinating it is um so one element of that is that Ryan Ross was very active in online fandom. Like, so active. Like, like super actively on MySpace and stuff, and right? if you go into, like, old Fallout Boy live journal communities, his posts are still there. That's so crazy. Like, right? Because he started as, like, a Fallout Boy fan, he really, was a right? a Fallout Boy fan. And yeah. the way that Pete Wentz discovered Fallout, or discovered Panic 
was that Ryan posted, my band is better than yours, oh, on yeah. a Fallout Boy forum. And Pete went, that worked. <laughs> and Dude, that's so insane. And Pete went to listen to his music. And then was like, hey, it's kind of good. And he was like, hey, you want a record deal? That's so insane. Which is insane. The early like, 2000s are an insane time. Absolutely crazy. Yes, I got so excited by the Ryan Ross of it all that I uh, didn't the fan fiction stuff went over my head no but you're right um totally yes 100 percent um and yeah also yes i mean we were talking about how like in the last episode um as we were talking about life on the murder scene and then also in other episodes where we've talked about fan fiction and stuff we know that there become very strong fan personas that get portrayed again and again and again through fan fiction yeah like frank liking sugary cereal Uh uh-huh I'm thinking. Yeah. Here. And that like Frank is strictly vegan. Strictly vegan. I don't think that's true. Strictly vegan. Gerard coffee cigarettes all day long. Stinky always. Stinky always. <laughs> um Like there are these tropes that show up in fan fiction so often that they become real. Right. Which isn't good. Right, I know. As we I think we said last time, like there are so many Gerard ways running around on the internet. And there it's like are. it's the way it's the way it mm-hmm. ends up happening. Mm-hmm. It's pretty crazy. Well, I'm sorry that happened to Ryan Ross. I know. <laughs> that sucks. It has absolutely happened to members of MCR. Yeah. Um, and don't ever fucking bring up fan fiction to those people. Like Don't ever don't bring ever up fan fiction to those don't people. Don't ever do that. Ever. You, hey. To any person. If you're talking to a person who is in the public eye at mm-hmm. all and there is fan fiction written about them, don't fucking tell don't them about fucking it. Don't fucking tell them about it. Hey, write it, read it, like, enjoy and it. And keep it to yourself. And keep it to yourself. Yeah. yeah. Have your weird Talk fictions. with other people online about it. That's great. Like, build community around it. That's awesome. Love it. Do not bring it in front of the people that yep. it pertains to. Yep. The end. That's how we the feel end. about fan fiction. We're big fan fiction fans also. Yeah, I, like, love, I read love fan, fan fiction all the time. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I would never fucking talk to any of those people about it. No, me either. No. Okay. Thank, Thank you, you for your ask. Thank you so much. Thank you. Also, thanks Eggs for your thoughts again. about related bands. Very cool to hear people's thoughts about related bands and how totally. they relate because we don't necessarily know those bands as well as we do MCR. So it's very cool to hear your perspectives. Thank you. You want me to read this one? Yes, please do. All right. This is an anonymous. Thank you for asking this three months ago. Um, <laughs> hey, we're answering it now. We're answering it now. Hey, we got to we're it. We're trying to keep more on top of this shit, so hopefully we'll be able to do this more than yes. before three months. We really want to do that. Hey, Marin and EJ, I love your pod, and I was wondering what your thoughts are on Everybody Hates the Eagles. IMO, it's not talked about nearly enough alongside Foundations. It's one of the few recent showcases of MCR's songwriting, lyrics, and music. So it's a really interesting study of the band's identity in 2022-23, i.e. what their sound is like, what lyrical themes they are exploring, what's important and relevant to them post-reunion. Um, there are some really interesting ideas covered in the lyrics, like folklore, gender identity, and, or gender fluidity and queerness, martyrdom, Catholicism, Americana, etc., etc. And the song has been relevant to other podcast ups you've already done like the gender episode um and the her kind of boy and also her girl line the episode about joan of arc and martyrdom which reminds me of the lyric i'm gonna set myself on fire never mind i want you to set me on fire there's this twitter thread that went into some of the ideas covered in the last leg of tour that i think could really lead to an interesting discussion let's pull up the twitter thread i love this ask i think this is great thank you so much for sending it in Okay. Well, sadly, Twitter's broken. <laughs> Thanks, Elon. Fuck you. Our yeah. podcast is worse because of you. Um, <laughs> I, you know what, Anon, you did most of the work here, though. Like, you gave us the gender stuff. You gave us the Jones stuff. Thank you for pointing those things out. Um, one thing about Eagles that I 
do want to talk about is that it used to be noise jam so yeah this isn't just a new tour thing yes this is a thing that happened in like 2013 yep 2012 did you see noise jam when you saw them i don't fucking remember if i did i can look up the set list honestly look up the set list okay no they did not noise jam it up in the shows that i went to all right well that's fine but they were noise they were noise jamming it they were noise jamming it so I have a theory about this, which, like, there haven't been interviews about this tour at all. So, like, who knows what the deal is. But I think a lot of it is improv. Yeah. I think a lot of it is, like, not pre-written lyrics. Yeah. I believe that, too. Mm -hmm. It seems that way, right? And also, we know that's kind of how Gerard's songwriting works. Like, if you watch those old videos with, like him coming up with the i'm not okay chorus just yeah. like singing it over and over again until something until really hits. something makes sense yeah i think no. that's partially what's going on i agree right yeah so you i mean what you're picking up within this ask is true like it does have a lot to do with the way that their the band identity is and also like what kind of like their musical like creation mm-hmm. process looks like which, yeah, is a lot of just, like, playing something over and over again yeah. and figuring shit out. Like, I doing it a little bit different each time. I agree yeah. with you. I think the, like, the now infamous I'm her kind of boy and also her girl, uh-huh. I think that was improv Yeah. I think he just – I don't think that they were, like, going – I don't think that they pre-wrote that or anything. No. You yeah. Know? They're that not was doing off that the cuff. It's off the cuff. But that's how they were feeling in that moment. And, like, they've said things similar to it, and they were like, ooh, uh-huh. love it. Yeah. And then they were like, this is how it feels that's or whatever. What rip this on. is how I want to convey mm-hmm. what I want to convey today. Yeah. Which is awesome. Yeah. Super, super, super yeah. cool. And, yeah, I mean, I think that the themes that are being conveyed, like you mentioned, gender fluidity, mm-hmm. queerness, martyrdom. martyrdom, Catholicism, all things – Gerard really cares about. So it's so unsurprising that they would be riffing on that kind of stuff. Yeah. When that's the stuff that they write about usually. Like in the studio, they're going to be writing about that kind of shit. The thing that I like so much about Everybody Hates the Eagles is it's like you don't know what you're going to get kind of. Yeah. It's a wild card song. Yeah. It's like if you, if it starts playing, you're like, oh, hell yeah. Mm-hmm. What's going to happen this time? We don't know. Like that is kind of how like every show was. Mm-hmm. But like that specifically is like. It's going to be different every night. Yeah, I really like that. And, like, I don't know if we're ever going to get a finished version of Eagles. And you know what? I don't think we should. I don't think we should. Because that's the thing about a jam. Yeah. The point of a jam. The point of a jam exactly. band is is the, is the in the process. It's riffing. It's in the process of playing yeah. it. It's in the yeah. process of creation and not in the process of recording. Mm-hmm. It's why, if you listen to The Grateful Dead, it doesn't sound very good. Yeah. Because how do you convey that kind of like experience in a recording it's really hard agreed so i don't think that they should i also though wanted to talk about a little bit you mentioned americana and there's a really excellent tumblr post by someone who i'm just going to shout out yeah colombo sunday has a really excellent tumblr post where they compiled some clips from neil young from everybody hates the eagles from some manson stuff from gerard dressed as a manson girl from yeah, Revolution Blues by Neil Young, trying to, understa- trying to Understand the Eagles by Robert Christ Gal, things like that. And a lot about just like the themes of like disillusionment with Hollywood and how much Gerard has explored and written about that, about this disillusion, this disillusionment with Hollywood, this like, you know, we don't need another song about California or whatever. This like love-hate relationship that they have with California yeah, and like the things that it represents and the way that it that people are expected to behave and 
how like how when people don't behave the way that they're expected to behave in Hollywood, it changes the culture fundamentally, like Manson Girls. The Manson murders was the end of the sixties. It was like it was the end it was the end of like the summer of love. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know, this idea that like things can be utopian, hippies can be utopian, we can do this thing together, we can have these beautiful experiences together. And then the Manson murders happened and it was like the start of the this downturn in American culture of like the subculture. Like it was like the end of the summer of love. You know, it's really interesting to me that Gerard chose to dress up as a Manson girl of these like women who were sucked into a cult essentially and literally fucking killed because of it. And, you know, I think not only is like the man are the Manson murders like a really big part of like American culture in general, but are also like fundamental to like California culture. Yeah. And like understanding Hollywood. Mm-hmm. And fame. And fame. And, yeah. Right. And fame and infamy. And like, yeah. So a super interesting post by them. You should go check it out. We'll link really- it. I told you about my Jonestown connection, right? Okay. This is crazy. <laughs> I have a Jonestown connection. Um, and I'm only thinking about Jonestown because it's very similar in the like kind of cultish hippie following thing. Like all of these... 900 people moved to Guyana together to live on a commune. Yeah. Um, under the influence of Jim Jones, who went to my high school. The most famous what a graduate. famous person to have, huh? The most famous graduate of Richmond High School in Richmond, Indiana. That's Jim Jones. That's really tough. Maybe me one day, but I don't know <laughs> if I'll ever be more famous than Jim Jones. You know, I don't know that you will. I honestly... Kind of hope not. Would you want to be? I don't really want to be more famous than Jim Jones. No, no, no. The other thing that I wanted to say about this, I forgot to talk about the fucking Eagles, which is why. Oh, the Eagles are just kind of like this representation of this like California, like soft, happy rock, you know? They're like a a real California sweet rock band. So to say everybody hates the fucking Eagles, you know, it's another commentary on just like California culture and fame and like the sellout of that like. It's like it's a commentary on like selling out and like and what it means to make music and what it means to experience fame and create art at the same time. So, yeah, it's so there's a lot going on. There's there. a lot going on there. And we would love yeah. to hear your thoughts about it. Thank you for this. Half. Oh, OK. So Samuel, friend of the pod, Samuel, um, messaged on Instagram first to say listening to Mailbox episode. Um, Give him hell kid sounds like fireman. Yes, it does. Um, and Frank has said that it was my chem's attempt at writing a jawbreaker song mm-hmm. and then linked us the video, my chemical romances, three years for sweet revenge CD review with Frank. Iura. Right. Yes. He does talk about it in that interview. So yeah. thank you for mm-hmm. giving us that rec. We appreciate it. Um, he said, hello again. Wow. So many thoughts about this episode. So like, do you remember how my chemical romance formed as a result of a mass casualty? And then they kind of died. I wonder what's going to happen after another mass casualty. Get up coward feeling totally normal about this. As for relevant news, Jared Alexander has been posting and then promptly removing pictures of drum kits in a very large studio. And there have been Frank-related posts about him being near United Recording, recording location for Madonna, Michael Jackson, Green Day. Yeah, heart. Also feeling totally normal about this. No weird hopefulness at all. They're laying in the foundations of decay. Remember, parentheses, get up, coward. My friend slash mutual made a very funny but true take. So please consider the following. Listening to Fall Out Boy as a supplement to my chem lore. Also... <laughs> Also, last thing I promise, at an LS Dunes Q&A, Frank was asked what his favorite song to play live was. Do you know what his answer was? Cancer. His favorite thing is to hear Gerard sing that live. While you're at it, why don't you give me a lyrical deep dive into stomach aches? 
Sorry this one was so long, but holy shit, so much was covered in this episode. Thank you for your thoughts. Yes, thank you. The the tour stuff is the most interesting to me. Or not the tour stuff, the Jared Alexander stuff. Yeah. The is Frank on the soundstage? What's Frank up to? Um, is he in LA or not? Um <laughs> that's a great question. I I like I feel nervous speculating about it because I don't want to be wrong, but I am optimistic. I'm optimistic too. I would love for us to get some music. It yeah. would be I mean, I think that we kind of know for sure that they were all in LA for at least a brief yeah, moment. Who knows were. what for? Mm-hmm. I I did have a theory that I mentioned at one point that yeah. like they were there for like the first draft documentary screener. Totally. Beamer lives in DC though. So well, maybe I don't know not. if he was there. Maybe he was there. Maybe he went for the label or whatever. Yeah. But um like that would be a great reason to all get together for a brief period of time. Um, I feel like Frank was there for too brief of a time period for it to be recorded. It to be a full album. Yeah. Right? I could see maybe a song. But I don't know about a full album yet. I feel the same way. I feel doubtful. Um doubtful but hopeful. Yeah. I mean, they've all expressed wanting to do it again. People around the band have expressed wanting to do it again, as in tour, as in whatever. So I feel hopeful that something will happen in the next couple of years. I don't know whether it'll be a full album, but would love it. Would love to hear what they have going on because they've really, as we've discussed, been exploring some interesting stuff. And I would love to hear what they would do with a full album now. Whatever happened to that? um, Do you remember when like somebody was trying to sell bootleg like MCR, like unreleased music for like ten thousand dollars yeah do you remember that i think so what happened there i don't remember what the fuck was up with that i don't remember that was a little weird did you listen to the clips no sounded like gerard did it yeah it did it sounded like my chemical romance but here's the thing you can deep fake something for six seconds and that's a lot easier than making a full song so i don't know do you know do you know podcast listener do you know what's going on there i'm sure someone knows i would love if you have an update pull up your pull up your thoughts yeah your thoughts about mass casualties and stuff you know a band that's based in a mass casualty response to mass casualties will continue to do that Mm -hmm. i think um in some way or at least will continue to be applicable right um for all of these things so i think yeah yeah the the get up coward is is real Listening to Fall Out Boy as a supplement to my chemical is essentially what I have done my whole life. So um, <laughs> <laughs> that's just like been, that's for, alas, standard. that is just yeah. like my standard. Um, but yeah, that's very funny. And in response to cancer and drawing a connection from that to stomach aches, I think that that's really a, a good perspective. I hadn't thought about that yeah. actually. Yeah. Um, I think that's real. I think, I mean, as we talked about earlier in this episode, Frank has a real respect for Gerard's songwriting and Gerard's ability to convey emotion and then perform that emotion. And like, I mean, as we all do, you know, one Mm -hmm. of the most relatable things about Frank Iero. Um, If I was Frank Iero, I would also have to sit on the stage and watch my friend Gerard perform every time that they perform that song. So I get it. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I mean, I think that, of course, if you work with somebody for that long um, and you really respect their songwriting, which of course Frank respects Gerard's songwriting, of course, I think he's going to try to, in some ways, emulate it mm-hmm. or look towards it for inspiration for other things where he might be writing about illness himself and stuff like that. So yeah. I think that that's um, a smart perspective. Totally. Totally. That's a, yeah, that's a very smart connection. Totally. 
cool. Thank you. Thank you. All right. This is from Tumblr user homophobic Gerard Way AU. Really very funny. Great. Like the URL <laughs> game, guys, is the really most cursed, strong. The most cursed possible alternate really union universe. Strong. Okay. Hi, Marin and EJ. Hi. Um, loved your recent episode exploring the MCR music video discog through the lens of the feminine figure and their role in film. I got thinking about the I'm Not Okay video and how it heavily references the 1984 film Revenge of the Nerds, along with Heather's, a queer classic. Yeah. The film is probably the biggest cinematic influence on the video. Ray's line, and you don't know karate, is lifted from a scene in Revenge of the Nerds. I didn't know that. Where a jock asks one of the nerds, a character of Asian descent, do you know karate? No? Good. Before fitting his head with a used jock strap. Woof. Fun. Um, the I'm Not Okay video subverts the sexist tropes utilized in the 80s film in that it refuses to use women as a means for male social upward mobility or treat them as prizes to be won by our geeky little band. In the film, popular and pretty women are made to suffer at the hands of the nerds because their suffering elevates their abusers to that elusive status of a real man. For example, the lead character, the lead female character, Betty, is sexually exploited by our hero character and later falls in love with him, thereby allowing the nerd character to cuck, emasculate, the jocks. She exists as a vehicle for the titular revenge, and she is also, of course, a cheerleader. Yeah. Damn. MCR chooses to redirect their revenge toward traditional masculinity itself, uh, to mock it instead of aspire to it. And the subversion starts before the very first have you ever felt appears on screen. When Gerard utters, maybe I don't want to make it, I just want to, the departure begins. An alternative path to belonging is offered. Through the lens of the revenge against the bullies trope, we can read Gerard's line as, I don't want to walk the line that this narrative sets up for me. I don't want to be like them. I want to make it my own way. Metatextually signifying we as a band will do things our own way. It can't be overstated how important this video uh, was in setting MCR apart from both their peers and their previous work. The social values of the band are made clear as day, making departure from the more typical emo core lyrical trappings that we see on bullets and a maturation in Gerard's songwriting. We see and hear violence on three chairs, but its target is not the cheating girlfriend, Honey the Smear, or the petty coworker that won't give you the time of day, Cubicles. Instead, we see Gerard turn his anger inward, Helena, and violence itself transformed into something alluringly psychosexual. I never told you. In summary, see Gerard Way 2002. This song's about killing the head cheerleader just to get a heart on. Versus Gerard Way 2022. I am the head cheerleader with a heart on. Looking forward to the Angels in America episode. Love your work. What the fuck, dude? Oh my what god. What a mic drop. Ask this is. Brother, you wrote a short essay. This is this literally is an essay. So you should write an essay. Like, okay, first of all. You are a very good writer. <laughs> Holy shit. You are a very, very strong writer. Like, I, there was a period of my life where I just had to read academic abstracts over and over again and then write ap- academic abstracts. This is an academic abstract. You're you did really it. good at this. Yeah. Yeah. This is short and to the point. You do not mince words. Holy shit. You're a very good writer. Yeah. Wow. This goes so many exciting places. Like, turn like you are articulating exactly i think what we were trying to talk about with the cheerleader episode of that turning around like this reading of the music video brilliant i have not seen revenge of the nerds so i'm very interested in seeing that but i mean you're totally right subverting the the tropes specifically of the 80s film taking away the like Mm -hmm. desire to be a real man by this band not utilizing the feminine sexuality as a prize like 
you fucking nailed it you yeah. absolutely nailed it um the last line gerard way 2022 i am the head cheerleader with the heart on versus the original this song's about killing the head cheerleader just to get a heart on i am obsessed with i i think about it all the time mm-hmm. since we read it so and not to like go back to episode two of this podcast uh-huh. but like that's the honey this mirror thesis right this like killing of this figure that you eventually become or killing this figure that you can't become yeah but maybe you can one day yeah no it's really rad i love um, this i love this thank you thank for you for this ask. ask such awesome thoughts very cool. um i know i hope everybody listens closely and takes yeah. notes <laughs> and you know what if you're if you're only listening to this as an audio medium um on our blog honeythispodcast.tumblr.com we will always repost these asks with a timestamp for where it occurs um in these mailbox episodes so if you want to sit down and read all of that which you absolutely should it will be on the blog under the hashtag asks next (laughs) next okay go for it anonymous asked Hey, I was thinking about your latest ep specifically, what you guys were saying about the I'm not okay music video and how it subverts normative sexuality. There's a post around here somewhere by Geoff, Jeff Rard, Jeff Rard, Geoff Rard. Geoff Rard. <laughs> Don't fucking, it's fine. His name is spelled that way. Okay. Whatever. It is. You're um, right. <laughs> there's a post around here somewhere by Jeff Rard on sexual representation in hardcore, particularly of women and queer people. So I was thinking about I'm not okay in the sense that it's not de-sexed in the way other emo invocations of these types of mainstream genres or just in general are. Rather, it subverts it by giving sexual agency to marginalized or desexualized figures, or I guess those who generally aren't given sexual agency in whatever way, like, as you said, queer people and older women. In this way, I appreciate that they stay away from some of these subversions, quote unquote, that keep the women featured as a passive figure to be villainized or objectified through a romantic pursuit or breakup, which is, of course, very in keeping with what Gerard has said on stage about bands taking advantage of women. Absolutely. Awesome. Yes. Yeah. Totally. I think that... You and um, the last Ask We Read are in cahoots. Mm-hmm. Um, totally. With your thoughts, I think that you were um, saying some similar stuff. Yeah, staying away from those, typ- those typical subversions as like villainizing women, objectifying women in those like attempts to be subversive. You're completely right. They are not doing Yeah, they're doing like like effective subversion in a way that like camp is effective subversion and right. gender performativity is effective subversion. Like. It, it's it's a very niche form of doing it that's very conscious and just very effective so, right it's yeah. like it's like playing with the sexuality of people whose sexuality is not normally paid attention mm-hmm. to Absolutely. which is actually subversive yeah 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 very cool love that thank you so much this url really describes how i'm feeling today it's am tired am dash d-i-r three d and they ask, I'm only halfway through your latest latest episode, so forgive me if you've already mentioned this, but I think with feminine characters and the power they hold in MCR, Mother War is such a perfect example. The concept of literal war, something perceived as so inherently masculine, being represented by a woman in a ball gown drives me insane in the best way. Also, on the note of Mother War, there's something to be said about MCR putting women who are in positions where they're expected to be pretty and pristine and gas masks gas masks taking away the service level and forcing you to look at the person underneath forcing you to question who these women are as human beings instead of things to look at god knows if that was uh was the intent but i'm here for the ride nonetheless cool very cool very cool ask yeah like really just blending like mother war has a gas mask too right like there's 
I've always seen it as a kind of anonymity. A I was, bit. I see it that way too. Yeah, like it's a it, it gives you this kind of distance between that figure and yourself that makes them like even more unnerving. Yeah. Yeah, but I I also like this reading of like making you confront like the person. Totally. Yeah, I think that's interesting. Yeah. But also like I also feel like when you take away a face, then someone's kind of just a body. Yeah. So it might also be doing the opposite, but also in a subversive way. Right. Because it is still subversive. Yeah. Like, either whichever way you look at yeah. that, whether you see it as like forcing a personhood on you mm-hmm. kind of, or whether you see or it forcing as, like, an objectivity. Right. Yeah. Forcing an objectivity in a way that is strange and yes. off-putting. Yes. <laughs> totally. Um, totally. Either way, like either way they're doing something that is mm-hmm. not um, typical of like, what a feminine sexuality is supposed to be and look like. Yeah. Um, and specifically, yeah, the idea of mother war being in a ball gown is a really great point. Mm-hmm. That like big, big skirt. Yeah, I think it's interesting. You're right. I think war is usually represented entirely mascul- masculinely. Yeah. I don't think it's like necessarily unique to MCR to represent like a massive force as a woman. Mm-hmm. Like people do that for storms, people do that for oh, boats, yeah. people, whatever, mm-hmm. you know? Um, but I do think. The concept of mother war. Mm-hmm. I don't know whether it says anything about gender, but I do think it says something about how Gerard thinks about mothers, maybe. Yeah. Um. Yeah. <laughs> but I also, I mean, I think maybe he's playing tropes against each other by putting that. Right. Like, to mother is to care for and nurture. And where do you yeah. find that in war? Right. Yeah. A hundred percent. Very, Very cool. cool. Thank you. Thank you for your ask. I'm tired. Another repeat asker, Phantom Luck. Thank you. Love your asks. Something I'm surprised you didn't mention in your millions at millions million. Milliams. Something <laughs> Milliam, it was really F-T- me. M- um <laughs> Milliams. <laughs> Milliams. <laughs> it was really me. Um, something I'm surprised you didn't mention in your millions ep, mainly because I think about it all the time, not because others do, LMAO, is the random almost destroy a parallel? You believe in love, I believe in fate, versus you don't believe in God, I don't believe in luck, they don't believe in us. They're just like rhythmic parallels in the general sentence structure and how that thought process changes in regards to feeling like a band slash being in a band makes me feel insane. Like, I guess that doesn't fit the more one-on-one vibe I get from millions, but I don't know, it just makes me feral. I like it. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, I I don't think I feel this connection as much but it is an interesting way to point out a parallel between things and like yeah. I do like the things it illuminates yeah I mean I also think like Gerard re because he is writing for both My Chemical Romance and for himself mm-hmm. they are reutilizing like different themes from different contexts totally so I think Gerard does like to talk about belief and about like mm. big values big values yeah big themes yeah belief legacy mm-hmm. etc um memory memory yeah. dreams huge, huge yeah. themes and like yeah you're picking up on this for sure I think that um you know I think that Destroya partially is about being in a band mm-hmm. um I think that because in the way that like a lot of the things that Gerard writes about is partially about being in a band yeah. I think Destroya is also about a big robot god it's about robot god yeah so i think that you don't believe in god i don't believe in luck they don't believe in us mm-hmm. kind of ends up you know coming yeah. from the perspective of perhaps somebody who isn't gerard from a character mm-hmm. perhaps mm-hmm. it's a critique of here's the the theme connection that i think is there is that these phrases critique capitalism yeah that destroya does that and millions does that also yeah um 
but I think more what, what is what you're picking up on here is just the lyrical choice. Yeah. And rhythmically it is it is satisfying, but it, it points towards a cool connection, which is the the capital. It does. Critique. You're right. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I mean, I think that you're correct. Like Gerard is talking about is talking about capitalism is responding to capitalism is responding to what it is like to create art mm-hmm. under for capitalism money. for yeah. money with other people in both mm-hmm. of these songs. Yeah. So yes, in that way you're totally correct. I don't know whether the lyrical parallels specifically between Destroya and Millions like thematically connects for me, mm-hmm. but also I mean like you are definitely picking up on Yeah. the way that Gerard is writing these things and how he is conceptualizing these thoughts. Yeah. So, yes. Yeah. Cool. Thank you for your ask. Cool. So, we have a, an anonymous ask um that's about the new zealand show so they say hi i just listened to your affect theory episode and it reminded me so much of this beautiful review i read of my mcr show and i wanted to share it it is totally um it so totally understood my experience of the show as one of the fervently devoted fans up front it was really touching to have that understood from the perspective of an outsider this is the link to the full article we'll post this on the blog um by connor lockery But here is the section that I loved. For all their rock opera magnificence and exquisite conceptual brilliance, what I think really makes My Chemical Romance a generational band is the sense of intrinsic and invaluable community. At Tamaki Makaurau's, I'm going to take that again. Makaurau, okay. Tamaki Makaurau's Outer Fields on Saturday night, there was, sorry, wow, brain bad. At Tamaki Makaurau's Outer Fields on Saturday night, that was there for all to see. A mass of worshippers arrived passionately but patiently, mostly gathered, unsurprisingly, in black garments, waiting to offer adoration to four people who meant the world to them. And waiting was what they'd really had to do, with Saturday's concert taking place after several years of COVID-induced delays. Many fans went so far as to camp outside the venue 24 hours before the concert in order to secure the best view. It's a narrative that again lends itself to some semblance of spirituality, for many of the people I spoke to had approached the Outerfield site from the breadth and depth of Aotearoa. One girl, who later disappeared into the huddled masses at the front of the stage, described arriving on a flight from Christchurch that very morning alongside several dozen other MCR acolytes, all already wearing their concert clothing despite the youthfulness of the day. Huge screens beside the stage urged the crowd to treat everyone beside them with kindness, but it was a superfluous message because this was thousands of people united by a shared purpose. Again, one is loath to use the word spiritual, but on a Saturday night, as soon as Gerardway took to the stage, he occupied the role of leader, healer, idol, whatever form each person in the crowd needed him to take. He performed both within and out with himself, silent at intervals, a shrieking mess during songs, a wholly unblushing artist committed to everything he was doing. On such a massive stage, in front of such an expected crowd, Way's way didn't feel ingratiating. Instead, this was a man seized by his music, overwhelmed by his mission. Let's pause, pause there. to discuss. Um, whoa. Yeah, wow. This is, wow. I mean, this is beautifully written. It's really beautifully written. Yeah. It's like a mouthful, but I, wow. It's, yeah, gorgeous. Like, yeah, yeah that, there's so much the affective connection between the crowd and the way Gerard performs and like comports themselves. Yeah. 
is like that's spot fucking on it is yeah and especially because like i don't know gerard has talked about like not directing the crowd anymore yeah but it doesn't they kind of do it anyway he's not you know what i'm saying it doesn't mean that they're not like that idea of them holding many roles i think is really interesting and really like you know like being a leader a healer an idol whatever people need Mm -hmm. you know I think is something that Gerard has commented on in both like positive and negative ways, but is so true and like very beautiful about watching them perform is they're able to like just fill this, like these many different levels, these many different personas, these many different, like it's Mm -hmm. complex. The performance Mm -hmm. is complex Mm -hmm. and they fucking give it their all. So yeah. Yeah. They bring so many different angles that everyone has something to connect to. Totally. I think that this author's, um, like focus on using spiritual language and stuff is really interesting too. Yeah. Calling people alkalites and stuff mm-hmm. is like they're like really I weird. hate to call it spiritual, however, right? Yeah, yeah, it's and it's like yeah, well, yeah. well, it is. Well, it is. It's hard to call it anything other than spiritual. Yeah, people are experiencing spiritual. a spiritual experience. Yeah. yeah, totally. I stood in the middle of the crowd as it all unfolded behind what I thought were the truly fervently devoted fans. A lesson from my late Catholic grandmother: always sit in the back at church if you know the people in front need it more than you. Oh. And like that's what the fuck. Mm -hmm. Um, And ahead of those probably there for just a good time where I stood looking at people of all ages on the verge of tears, singing lyrics like their life depended on it. I felt pangs of regret, visions of teenage years that could have been so much different if pretension and cultural constriction hadn't forcibly collided. But mostly, I promise, I felt happier for those around me who had waited so long for this moment and who would never forget this Saturday night. Because really, it could be an inordinate amount of time before My Chemical Romance perform in Aotearoa again, even if the band themselves will exist in the minds of those at Outer Fields for a while longer. How wrong we were to think that immortality meant never dying. What the fuck? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I love this perspective of somebody who's like, I felt regret watching them of yeah. like what my life could have been like uh-huh. if I wasn't like caught up in like what it was like to be a traditionally masculine mm-hmm. boy, mm-hmm. you know, of like what it could have been like if I let myself like experience something other than that. Yeah. That's really beautiful. Yeah. It's really beautiful. And like, there's so much respect in here for fans that's which is so so refreshing oh my god like that's what like is really so beautiful about this is it's like holy shit rolling stone wrote this like extremely kind thoughtful Mm -hmm. respectful like treating fans not as if they're fanatics not as if they're hysterical which are other like religious adjacent words that are thrown out Uh about fans most of the time yeah but like they're acolytes and like they're like experiencing, they're going to church. Yeah, you know and what their I'm care matters a lot. Yeah, and this is a very rare and special moment for it's them. It's so beautiful. It's, it's really so beautiful. beautiful. It's so beautiful to recognize that and see that and treat it with respect. And yeah, that's yeah. rare. That's rare and very special. Yeah, yeah. it is. Yeah, it is. Cool. Well, thanks for sending this. Thank you, really Anon, and thank you, Connor Lockery, for writing this. Yeah, what a stunning piece. It's gorgeous. Yeah, yeah. And we'll link that on the blog. We will. All right, I All think right. we're at last, <laughs> last guy. one. Werewolves, werewolves, we're back at werewolves. This is from an anonymous. 
I've just discovered y'all and I have been going through your episodes in reverse order. I just got to the episode about horror, vampires, and zombies where you also touched on werewolves and omegaverse but didn't get much further because this particular monster doesn't really appear in MCR's work. And the thought came to my mind that yeah, because it's about toxic masculinity and male aggression, which doesn't seem like it'd be an interesting topic for them. I actually had a whole little essay sketched out ages ago. I'll probably write sometime. You should. But the Cliff Notes version is that much of werewolf media seems to focus on a typically heteronormative male who is bitten by the werewolf and is gifted strength and physical power, but cursed with uncontrollable animalistic aggression. Some papers talk about this as a puberty metaphor, but I like to think of it as more about toxic masculinity and machismo culture, cultural influences that often do give men power over others, but at a cost to them and the people around them. The Wolfman, I Was a Teenage Werewolf, and both the Teen Wolf movie and TV show play with these themes. The Wolfman cannot control his aggression, baby Michael Landon's pre-existing aggression is exacerbated to a homicidal degree, and Scott achieves success and popularity at school, but cannot always control his actions. In a similar vein, a lot of Omegaverse fiction, whether queer queer or not, mimics traditional values and ideas of masculinity and femininity. The alpha is typically attractive, physically strong, and sexually virile. Also rich. He's rich a lot. (laughs) And the quote-unquote Omega is usually depicted as smaller, weaker, and thereby feminine, regardless of gender. They may be mouthy, but are usually swayed by the alpha's masculinity and sexual prowess or their own uncontrollable quote-unquote biological sexual urges it's the very masculinity of the alpha that makes them incapable of saying no and when pregnancy becomes a storyline even the most reluctant of characters eventually fall into domestic bliss of homemaker and child rearer happy to serve the hyper-masculine alpha as a band whose members typically do not align themselves with traditional masculinity i can see why maybe werewolves didn't really resonate as much as other monsters i'm sure there are other maybe queerer reads on werewolf fiction but when i consume works from this genre i swear the toxic masculinity metaphors are all i can see anyway that's my two cents on werewolves sorry this is so damn long love your work friends this is great thank you that's yeah. really cool thank you so much for first of all your thorough and detailed look at werewolf yeah content. Also, your thorough and detailed look at Omegaverse. Yeah, like, love that. What a measured and yeah. reasonable reading <laughs> of literature, which is neither measured nor reasonable. Like, thank you. Yeah, thanks for doing that. So we didn't have yeah, to do you're it. You're a scholar, and I really appreciate you. Yeah, exactly. Also, like, I'm sure there's like actual lit being published about like right. like like about scholarly liter- literature about Omegaverse. I mean, I'm it sure it's so, out there. It is so part of the cultural context at this yeah. point that AI is being confused to believe that Omegaverse is, is like a real, real thing and people <laughs> which is so funny that. first of all it's like you fucking made this shit and now you're reaping the consequences of what it. you've done to scrub the internet uh, um, first of all hilarious yeah um, but thank you for this mm-hmm. I think that that is a really good point and like we were like why do werewolves not appeal to mcr because mm-hmm. i think that there is a really interesting like trans slash queer mm-hmm. context but those are definitely newer contexts i would say yeah. and i think that you're right the majority of werewolf media is about a guy who is cursed with uncontrollable animalistic aggression mm-hmm. which is totally hyper masculine yeah a hundred percent right yeah yeah and it's interesting because mcr plays with aggression in such a major way but like never through that lens of toxicity it's through a lens of like being cursed to it yeah but uh, well i guess the world is that too and it's also often well it's like feminine aggression yeah oh it is feminine aggression yeah which is like not traditionally mm-hmm. like werewolfy mm-hmm. like even within like omegaverse stuff as they were saying like 
there is a masculine and a feminine werewolf. Yeah. <laughs> and the masculine werewolf is the one who does all the aggressing. Uh-huh. So like oh, MCR so right. I think that MCR plays with aggression from masculine and feminine lenses, mm-hmm. but usually it's never in a hyper masculine way. Yeah. Like there's never It's never about killing women. Well, like never, well, bullets. But <laughs> like but that has nuance to it, which we've discussed previously. It's also like not about being like I think in one of the other asks, that one ask, that one long ask, talked about how violence is in these things, but mm-hmm. it tends to be either subversive and that it's feminine or psychosexual, which like, I think that werewolves are psychosexual in some yeah. ways, um, but I think the traditional werewolf figure is not necessarily like a genderqueer figure mm-hmm. or like an androgynous figure. Yeah. The werewolf is a big, beefy man. Mm-hmm that turns into a big beefy wolf and has a huge dick what if paul takes the form of a mortal girl was about also becoming a werewolf i mean love that <laughs> i mean like literally i love it i mean here's the thing is like there is trans possibilities for these things yeah. right? like anything about trans transformation about like becoming a different mm-hmm. thing about like your entire physical body changing and like transforming yeah. into something else is like has so much trans and queer potential mm-hmm but like has it been written that way i don't know that it has until pretty recently like i don't think that like people have been like hey let's recognize the trans potential of like werewolves and also like omegaverse stuff Mm -hmm. like i feel like that's doing that right right. like right yeah it's nuanced and i i think queer readings of werewolves are happening it's happening in omegaverse and like (laughs) i feel like fan fiction is not as someone who is recently out of academia, fan fiction is not treated as legitimate literature by oh, academics. Totally. Yeah. Absolutely not. But it's pop fiction and it's important and it reflects cultural values. Yes. And like, ha- like leaves a lot of room for like niche viewpoints and values to pop through. And I feel like we see that in this moment with this reading of this monster. Yeah, I think that that's fiction. I think that's true. I think also, I mean, let's talk about Omegaverse really quick. Okay. Have you read any Omegaverse before? Yeah. How'd you feel about it? Negative? Me Not, too. <laughs> well, I read it and I was like, I can see how this is somebody's jam, but it's not mine. Right. Because like to me, like the Omegaverse thing is really just kind of a kink thing. Yeah. And it's a lot. Here's the thing. It's a lot about impregnation, which is a big no for me. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot about like, it's a lot of, it's a lot about, I have breeding kink and now need to talk about it. Yeah. Um, Which good for you. But I've seen people who are um, into talking about like the quote unquote scholarship of Omegaverse, like talking about like how things have, changed within like the omegaverse field about how like you know it used to be like just two dudes who are boning and they both have like like dicks and buttholes and that is how they are doing Mm -hmm. their their omega and alpha thing and that is now less and less the case i think that people are playing with like ideas of people like having parts that would make them trans or whatever like um troubling the idea of what like genitalia can be which is great and really interesting and like a cool mm-hmm. thing that's happening with that category of mm-hmm. fan fiction. However, I do also agree that like the alpha omega thing is like a little bit hyper masculine, hyper feminine to me, which I think also like sometimes people really like to 
make their pairing online a whiny little bottom and a big alpha top. Yeah. Where else could we possibly see that? Yeah. Interesting. Um, yeah, totally. Which I think, you know, is a problem in Omegaverse stuff, probably. Uh-huh. I, again, I don't read I it. Don't, um, but from my impression of it, yeah. it's a problem here. Or not necessarily a problem, but like something that impacts other people's ways that they write gay men mm-hmm. online. Yeah. Like, yeah. I read fan fiction about gay men. Mm-hmm. T- I'm telling you guys this now. I read... I read male slash male pairings mm-hmm. on ao3.com mm-hmm. and sometimes you open a fanfic and you're like why did you make this guy why did you make steve harrington the whiniest little bottom baby i've ever seen in my life he doesn't he do, he wouldn't fucking it's the, he wouldn't <laughs> fucking say that he wouldn't fucking say that Man, it's because they've decided eddie's the top and <laughs> that that's how and it's, it's gotta so, go and there's so, no other option and it's so weird it's so weird to me yes yeah right exactly yeah 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 the, the, i yeah there's a lot of pushing people into roles and yeah. then seeing how it plays out and sometimes that's subversive and other times it's boring right and, and other times yeah. it's boring and reads as like who's gonna be the feminine one and who's gonna be the mm-hmm. masculine one yeah who's the girl and who's the boy yeah guys you've recreated the gender binary Good congratulations job you, you put it on exciting and new bodies but at the end of the day <laughs> yeah it's the same stuff that we were trying to get away from right and that's not so, to say right that's not to say that like topping or bottoming if you do those things consistently make you a man no, or a woman no, no, in no. sex like that yeah. is just not true we know that that's not true mm-hmm. butch femme couples um my loves and we should continue that that's all i'm saying yeah but just like there's other ways to have freak sex that don't necessarily <laughs> recreate like g- violent masculine and feminine relationships yeah. maybe yeah like i'm gonna knock you up and there's nothing you can do about it kind of yeah, shit yeah yikes ew no and i'm turning into a homemaker and a, and a good little house person Ooh, fuck right I off fuck right off i don't know if i like yeah no no i can't i can't get into that dynamic that doesn't do it for me it does it for some people and great for you yeah Yeah. Yeah. but yeah anyway in terms of the werewolf i think that this is a really good a really Mm -hmm. good view on like what the historical werewolf is presented as as this like hyper masculine like incomprehensibly aggressive figure and how that's changed over time which Mm -hmm. is you know very cool. cool very cool and i'm glad that we are now viewing the werewolf as a figure in different ways but you're totally right i'm sure that that's why it was not very appealing to mcr mm-hmm. they like the andro the androgynous androgyny of it. they love the androgyny of it all yeah the glam of it all <laughs> what's more glam than a vampire not a fucking werewolf not a werewolves fucking werewolf. are not glam no they're all their clothes are all torn up and they're they not glam. They, are not glam. And they are not glam they're not glam vampires are glam and that's that on that <laughs> If you think that werewolves can be glam or are glam, write in. Well, write in. Yeah. I'm sure they could be, but nobody's written them that way yet. And that's up to you, dear listener. No one put them in a little spandex outfit, so now it's time for you to do that. Ooh, imagine, like, I'm a werewolf, and, like, I know, oh, no, it's the full moon tonight. Time to put on my little spandex so I can fucking bust out of it when I transform and look like as under the disco ball moon. Possible under yeah. the disco ball moon. Yeah. We're going out to party tonight, You're guys. Going out to party. I am Werewolf wearing bell bottom spandex. Ooh. Yeah. Love it. Ooh. Love it. Okay. Love it. Well, Love give it. me that werewolf. I'd I know. Like that. I want that werewolf too. There you go. Anyway. Jesus. All right, gang, that's all the asks we have the energy to answer tonight. That's all of them. Um, and we know that you've submitted more. We'll, um, we'll answer a few um, as we are able. Also, once again, 
if you have sent us an ask however long ago and we haven't answered it if yet, we, we haven't done the danger days episode yet we are holding on to it for a reason after we do the next angels episode i think danger days should be next yes i think we need to finally talk about her yes Thank you for listening. Thank you so much for sending in asks. Thank you for participating. Oh my gosh. So, so cool like, to have yeah. our little community of people participating yeah. together. It's just really rad. You're all so cool. Yep. You're really so cool. I'm sorry that it takes us so long to get to these asks, but like we really appreciate them. We really, yeah. really do. Um, and we, if you've sent us an ask, we will get to it. We will. Yeah. So thank you. Thank you. Rate and review our podcast. Hey. Let us know what you think. Let other people know what you think so they can find our podcast better. If you leave a little Apple podcast review or Spotify review, it really helps us. And what are some other things? Um, you can find us and the, you know, like actual written out version of some of the long asks yep. that we've read um, at our Tumblr blog, which is honey Tumblr blog, which is honey this You can find us on Instagram at honey this pod. You can. You can go long form. You can send oh, us yeah. an email at honeythispodcast at gmail.com. You can find me at tasteofchaos2005.tumblr.com. And you can find me at boy-zone.tumblr.com. That's all the information I think you need. And you can figure anything else out. You'll figure it out. You'll We'll find you. You'll, you can send in. us, you can drop a note into a mailbox not knowing our address. Yeah. Just address it to the, the two pod. of us, to the pod. Um say a little say a little phrase over it yeah. you can figure it out it's embedded somewhere mm-hmm. in this episode and we'll get it we'll get it if you just like write your question on a piece of paper and throw it <laughs> north we'll get just it. just generally north oh if you could put it in a bottle in the atlantic ocean that'll get to us way quicker oh you're so right yeah actually if you could just like snag a pigeon off the street and, oh like, and yeah train, and just like throw it into the sky <laughs> just like throw, just pick it up Tie something around its neck, throw it out your window. Yeah. It will get to us. Don't worry. It'll get to us. Yeah. That's actually the best way. That's to actually do it. the best way. Yeah. The best way is pigeon. <laughs> yeah. So so if you could actually put all your messages in there next time, that would be great. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening. We're freaking losing it. <laughs> yeah, we are really good night. Good night. Or good morning. Or good day. Goodbye. Goodbye.